December 5th, 2023, and Clarity in College Football, Clarity in the National Football League is starting to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, general ages, this is, as I already mentioned, Tuesday, December 5th, 2023. I am Brandon Lewis, the executive producer, the founder of the host of Brandon's World. Of course, we will get to all of the Week 13 NFL action. I know all of you want to troll me about my Philadelphia Eagles, who are not certainly dead yet. We're going to get to recapping all of the 13 NFL games. But before we do that, we're going to dive into this college football playoff controversy, which there is no controversy. Of course, as you already know, my social media links are in the description below. We are in collaboration with the one and only Voltage Live. Tonight on Championship Rings, me and Josh Younger will dive into the NBA in-season play-in tournament, all things NFL Week 13, college football as well. That link is in the description below. Of course, Tuesday nights, every night at 6 p.m. Eastern time. But we're going to start today's show, as I already mentioned, by talking about Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama, the four teams in the college football playoff. And for all of you that are upset that Florida State was not in the college football playoff, I got news for you. You do not know how the College Football Selection Committee works. And I've been very critical of the committee over the last decade. I've said for years I would like to be a part of the committee. Uh, I don't think that the committee oftentimes gets it right, except for this year because the committee got it exactly right. Listen, we knew going in Michigan was going to stop Iowa, and that's exactly what happened. Iowa can barely do anything on the offense side of the ball. Uh, then you have Washington versus Oregon, and we all said if Washington wins, as good as Oregon's quarterback Bo Nix has been, uh, and as fun as Oregon has been this year, even though there are only two losses on the year were to Washington, they do have two losses, which again, last year, people like myself were trying to put two losses to Alabama in over TCU. We did not end that situation this year because we had so many good teams in the college football playoff that essentially the loser of the game would have to be out, the winner would have to be in. Then it came down to Alabama versus Georgia. I'm not even going to really talk about Texas versus Oklahoma State. Texas took care of business, uh, as, as we all thought they would against Oklahoma State. So it really came down to Alabama against Georgia. Georgia is back-to-back defending national champions going for a three-peat, but their defense was not as good as it was a year ago, obviously, with all those players leaving to the NFL Alabama, who looked lost after their week two demolition, excuse me, in Alabama against Quinn Ewers and that Texas ball club. Jalen Milrow could barely throw uh, in that game. He was benched the next game by Alabama. Alabama barely beat that team. I think it was like Southwest Florida or something like that. Um, But ever since then, you know, they turned it on and they did beat the number one team in the country. And when you beat the number one team in the country, you are one of the best four teams in college football. Florida State, I don't care if they're a part of the ACC. I don't even care if Jordan Travis was healthy. I don't care about this fact that they have a great defense. They look awful the last couple of weeks. Uh, they do not have an impressive win to me. And Alabama 
being the number one team in the country, which the committee said was the number one team in the country. I did not. I said they were number two behind Michigan, which is why I was in favor of Michigan being the number one team over Washington, even though Washington and NX and that offense looks great. And even though they beat Oregon twice, I said Michigan boat rakes teams all year, and they probably beat, you know, one of the best teams that was left out of the playoff, uh, Ohio State, in a very close game, even though the kid McCord just transferred out. We know that that big rivalry, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan really dominated the second half. Uh, they barely trailed all season long, unlike Washington. You know, the Maryland game was kind of close. That's about it for close games. Uh, for Michigan to me, they looked like again the best team in the regular season all season long. The Jim Arbaugh scandal didn't matter to the committee. It didn't matter to me either. They got this right. For all of you upset about Florida State, we don't even know if Jordan Travis is going to be able to play in a bowl game. They're going to play Georgia. You know, I don't care about the other bowl games. I really don't. I care about two bowl games. I care about Washington, Texas. I care about Alabama, Michigan. It's the only two bowl games, in my opinion, that matter. And I thought this weekend, of course, this is going to be the last time that we get the 14 college football playoff. Next year, it expands to 12. And I thought the last two weekends, actually, of course, where we had Ohio State, Michigan, and Alabama, Auburn as a part of rivalry weekend. And then this week with conference championship weekend. I thought this weekend was a perfect example of why the committee was wrong to expand the college football playoff. Because under this format next year, we wouldn't have this debate between Alabama, Florida State, you know, Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State, etc. All those teams would still be in the college football playoff. And I thought the best part about the college football regular season showcased itself this weekend. Georgia, I already mentioned, I thought they were a top two, top three team in the country all year long. I didn't think that they were number one, but I thought they were right there. And obviously, if they beat Bama, no matter the margin, they're in the college football playoff as the SEC conference champion. We know the SEC and the Big Ten by far are the two best conferences in college football, even though the Pac-12 in its last year has had a little bit of a resurgence. Um, you know, under the format next year, again, Georgia, Alabama, the game's not going to matter as much. It may matter for seeding, but this game, Georgia goes from number one in the country, you know, down to number six. They go from being back to back, trying to defend their title as a three-peat, to they have one loss by a field goal to a very good Alabama team that's gotten better as the year goes on, and they get screwed out of the playoff, similarly to Ohio State, who, you know, loses to Michigan by six. That's really their, their only big watch of the year. They had another close win earlier in the year against Notre Dame and Penn State. But if you don't beat Michigan, you're not in the playoff. Oregon, you lose two very close games to Washington. You boat race the rest. Because you lose two games to your arch rival, you're out of the playoff. We're in the new scenario you could have two losses. You could have three losses potentially and still be a top 12 team. It's why I think that the committee got that part of the equation wrong. The best part of a college football is the regular season matters. One loss can screw your season, and we're not going to get the specialness of college football anymore. Will Michigan and Ohio State sure be a big deal 
Alabama, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, SEC championship game, white games. Yes. The problem is they're not going to be as meaningful. You know, if the Big Ten decides to just go away with the Big Ten East and the Big Ten West and just have Ohio State, Michigan play twice, like the way Oregon and Washington did, maybe you move the game up besides, you know, the last game uh, after Thanksgiving, excuse me, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And you put it a little bit earlier in the season so we don't get back-to-back rematches. You know, that may make it all work. But in the end, I thought the committee got it right. If I had a guess right now, to be honest with you, I think Michigan versus Alabama is the national championship. Uh, I don't think whoever wins Washington or Texas can beat either of the teams. I don't think Washington's offensive and defensive-wise can be physical enough with the way Michigan and Alabama run the football. I know Texas beat Alabama earlier in the year, but that was before Jay when Milrow could throw, and that game was closed until the fourth quarter. I think in a rematch, Saban could figure out how to stop Sarkeesian, obviously his former protege there at Bama. I think Alabama would win that game. I think Michigan-Alabama is very close. I think J.J. McCarthy is the difference. I think Michigan has a little bit of a better offensive line. I think they'll be able to run the football with Blake Corm a little bit better. J.J. McCarthy will make more throws. Michigan wins in a very tight Rose Bowl. Now, down in New Orleans, he's in Washington and Texas. I think it's very close. Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix, two very good start quarterbacks. I think Washington uh, has one of the best coaching staffs down in the country. I give a little bit of an edge to them right now. I do think it's going to be Michigan Washington, if I had to guess. So these semifinal games can be weirder, as I already mentioned, than the national championship because you do get a month off with Christmas break and finals and the kids and all that. These teams get a month to prepare where they only get essentially a week to prepare uh, for the national championship. So you almost have to scout three teams. It's why I think the semifinal game can cause some unwanted results sometimes. It's why I think you know all four of these teams are going to need to come out ready to play. But at the end of the day, the committee finally got it right. These are the best four teams in the country. There's no controversy. I don't care if you're undefeated. I don't care if you have a great defense. Football is not about defense anymore. It's not about the 90s. Nick Saban's a defensive coach. Alabama can't really stop anybody. You know, they're hoping they get to 30 and they give up 23-24 like they did against Georgia. That's the sport. It doesn't matter if it's NFL or college anymore. You got to have a star quarterback. You got to be able to run the football and you got to be able to put points up on the board. Who cares about about Florida State? I don't even think they're a top four team in the country. If Jordan Travis plays, I think Michigan, Bama, Washington, Texas committee finally got it right. And I commend you and you can challenge me whether it's on audio or video in the comment section below. But I'm sorry. The committee got it right. 13 in the NFL was an interesting one to say the least. In the money line, we ended up going nine and four, which puts me at 132 and 61 on the year in the money line. My four misses were uh, Pittsburgh against Arizona, Philly against San Francisco, which as an Eagles fan, I know y'all want to talk me today. We'll get to that game when we get to the recap. I also missed the two night games. You know, I had Kansas City over Green Bay. I had Jacksonville over Cincinnati. Both a little bit of a surprise, especially the one last night, the Monday night game. But those were our four misses. 
Again, that puts us at 132 and 61 on the year. For best bets, we hit all of them in the one o'clock window. Atlanta covering the three against the Jets. Houston covering three and a half against Denver. Indy covering one and a half against Tennessee. Now, we needed overtime for that one. Uh, but Philly and Kansas City disappointed us. That puts us at three and five for best bets uh, that week in week 13. That puts us at 42 and 64 with one push on the gear. So, again, another winning week. We've been hot with winning weeks. Three out of five, four out of five, I believe the last four or five weeks or so in best bets. So I've been pretty good with my picks this year. But let's get into that recap. Starting with the Thursday night game, which was a penalty-filled, uh, slow-moving, awful game, though high-scoring. Dallas went at 41-35. to 35. And I thought really the story of this game was in the second half. Seattle just refused to block the Dallas defensive line. Micah Parsons on the two big fourth downs make two huge keys plays in the game. Dak Prescott played really well. We know what Dallas usually does at home. They score a lot of points. I thought the Seattle offense looked as good as it's looked in the last month. That looked like a team that, you know, can pull off some wins that might be able to get in the playoff picture. But if you're a Seahawks fan now, you know, you lost to Joe Burrow earlier in the year, and now you've gone through this gauntlet where you got San Francisco twice with Dallas and Philadelphia in between. And we had another loss. Oh, the Rams before that as well. So, you know, five straight losses here uh, could be on the table for Seattle, which, again, could derail their season. Again, I like their pieces. I like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had a pretty nice night Thursday night. I like TK Metcalf. I like Tyler Lockett. I like Walker. Uh, the biggest question on the offensive side of the ball, and they have two very young tackles who I like as one of the offensive line. But the biggest question on the offensive side of the ball is Geno Smith, who played very well. But we all know Geno Smith is a bridge quarterback that can win you games. He cannot win you championships. I think Seattle needs to get better in the pass rush department. Leonard Williams has been okay with that trade over to the Giants. I expected him to have a bigger impact. Uh, their secondary is, is is really good. Obviously, uh, Woolen and Weatherspoon, the rookie. Jamal Adams back there as well when he's healthy. Very good player. Uh, but in the end, I just think they need more pass rush in the defensive front, and I think they need to upgrade their quarterback position. Dallas is right where I projected them to be at the beginning of the year, right there a little bit behind San Francisco and Philly, but I put them a little bit ahead of Detroit because of their secondary. Now, the Dolphins bull race the Commanders. Ron Rivera is going to be done for the year. I mean, there's not a ton to speak about this game. The Commanders played one eye safety on Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill had a day. Washington lost this game by 30. I said, you know, could their defense play very well with Rivera? Could they cover the spread? It was possible, but Miami obviously took advantage of Washington. Now, the Chargers, this spread was five and a half. They ended up covering six nothing against New England. This was a rainstorm game. You know, it's Chargers-Patriots. It's Brandon Staley going up against a Patriots offense that got shut out for the second time this year at home. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, Malik Cunningham. They cannot move the ball offensively. Ramondre Stevenson got hurt in this game. He's going to miss a couple weeks. Now Ezekiel Elliott's the starting running back. It's going to be Patriots-Steelers Thursday night. And what looks to be a barn burner of a football game. But... What a mess. Chargers win. They're still not a playoff team with Brandon Staley as their head coach. Who cares? 
Atlanta, they covered against the Jets. Another ugly game. And for the first time in NFL history, potentially, a starting NFL quarterback may not want to play. The Jets want to go back to Zach Wilson because of how bad Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon are. And Zach Wilson does not want to play for this disaster of an offensive franchise. And I had said, when Aaron Rodgers left to go from the Packers to the Jets, and you remember way back in March 2023 of this year, I said, I think Aaron Rodgers is making a mistake. I would have stayed with the Green Bay Packers. They have a good offensive line, a young receiving core that is getting better, and you're in a weaker NFC. AFC, you're going up against a much better conference. You may have a little bit of a better defense, and you may have a better receiver in Garrett Wilson, but the Jets don't have an offensive line, and when you're in a division with, at that time, Belichick, who is obviously still a great defensive line, though we didn't know they weren't able to score any points at all. When you're there with Miami, Buffalo, you know, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Indy, etc., Kansas City, the Chargers, the AFC is just a gauntlet. Uh, and I thought Aaron Rodgers made a mistake. And the Jets are such a disastrous franchise that Zach Wilson doesn't want to play for him. Atlanta barely covered, and yet they're still going to win the NFC South. Who cares? Uh, the Lions, they always let one can get away from them, which, again, concerns me a little bit about the Detroit Lions. I don't think they're there yet. I keep saying it. Eight Hutchins is a very good pass rusher. I think they need to find another one. I think they are elitely talented on offense, though I think they have to win by shootout. Uh, Saints, Jameis Winston came in. Derek Carr got hurt late in the game. Jameis Winston came in, did what Jameis Winston always does, makes some incredible passes, turns the football over. Credit to the Saints for getting back in the game after getting blitzed so hard early. This looked like it was going to be a Dolphins-Commanders-like route here with the Lions and Saints. But, you know, the Saints, I don't trust the, their offense. Their defense we know is good. They can shut down most teams. Don't trust their offense. They cannot move the ball, it seems like, when Derek Carr is in there. Derek Carr may be washed. Uh, and they're not a great football team. But in the end, they played hard here, but they fell at home. I said Houston would cover. They did three and a half against Denver. They really dominated most of the game. Denver made a good effort in the second half. Three turnovers from Russell Wilson, though, did them in. I said Denver's winning streak and a lot more to do with them not turning the football over and getting turnovers at an egregious rate that was not going to continue, as opposed to Sean Payton has fixed all of the Broncos' woes, which he has not. Big loss here for Houston, though, with Tank Dell going down. Uh, their offense did not look quite the same. C.J. Shroud did not look, you know, as exquisite as he has over the past month. Though with Jacksonville losing Monday night, now it opens up the possibility for the Texans to win the division. Um, and again, I think it comes down to Texans-Jacksonville. Indianapolis, though, potential wild card the way Gardner Minshew has been playing, which I did pick them to win. Now, this game was wild. You know, two blocked punts. Uh, Tennessee missing a field goal because their punter got hurt. Ryan Tannehill had to come in and do the hold. A pick two. And then, you know, Tennessee getting the field goal in overtime. Gardner Minshew had to go back down the field and get the touchdown, which he did. And I said when Indianapolis made the hire of Shane Steichen, obviously former Eagles offensive coordinator, 
I was upset that he walked Philly. I really liked Shane Steichen. I thought he was brilliant. Uh, I had the Colts in the playoff mix this year in the AFC because of that. Though I thought it was going to be with Anthony Richardson. And I did not realize how well Gardner Minshew could play over a consecutive stretch. But somehow Shane Steichen has gotten the up and down Gardner Minshew to play really steady. And Indianapolis is winning these games. They sweeped Tennessee, which they have been unable to beat Tennessee for years. I said going into the year, I was not a fan of Tennessee. DeAndre Hopkins has helped that receiving core a little bit. I mean, imagine if they did not have DeAndre Hopkins, who would Will Levis be running the football to? Will Levis has given me signs of he could be an okay quarterback. I don't think he's special. I don't think he's the franchise quarterback. In the end, I think the Colts are the better team. Now, Arizona... This game had two weather delays, and Kenny Pickett went down, and Mitch Trubisky could not move the ball against the Cardinals. And the Cardinals, ever since Kyler Murray has come back, some weeks they were growing good. Now, other weeks against the Rams, obviously, excuse me, obviously, they just don't have the talent to go up against that Rams offense. Uh, but Arizona now, they've won two games with Kyler Murray coming back. I think it's a mistake. Again, could Kyler Murray be the franchise quarterback of the future? Yes. Uh, when Kyler Murray had DeAndre Hopkins a couple of years ago with Kingsbury, I was really high on Arizona. I was wrong about that. You know, Kyler's been moody. Um, it seems like his attitude has changed as he came back from injury. Who knows? Maybe the torn ACL could be something that really good happened to Kyler Murray. But the story out of this game is Arizona's essentially playing themselves out of the top order of the draft. Well, New England all of a sudden now can sneak in and maybe they go get a Drake May or who knows if Carolina can find a way to win a game with Chris Tabor. Maybe New England ends up getting Kayla Williams. And that's how Belichick, you know, sort of turns the future around here. But the Steelers offense has not looked any better with the firing of Matt Canada the offense is bad. Uh, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, it doesn't matter. It's broken. They need a new quarterback. They're not going to because of the Steeler pride. They're going to win with defense. Uh, but even in the rain conditions, Pittsburgh on a 99-yard drive where Trey McBride after Arizona cut Zach Ertz looks really good. And that may have been one of the worst losses at home in Mike Tomlin's era as the head coach of the Steelers. I said I thought Arizona was going to cover. When does Pittsburgh win by more than six points? And, well, they lost to Arizona. I am a beat Carolina. It was my survivor pick of the week. Now, Carolina covered. I thought they would play a little bit better. You know, first week, interim head coach Chris Tabor giving them a boost. But this team is not very good. They're still not good offensively. Cuba Albert has quietly had a good past couple of weeks. He's sort of taken over the lead back outside of Miles Sanders. But Tampa still has a chance to win the NFC South. They won the game. Again, it's a lot of meh here uh, from my perspective. You know, Joe Flacco played well for the Browns, and the Rams won by 17 because the Rams offense is both race the Browns defense. The Browns' defense, we all talk about the Browns in an historic defense this year. At home, they do. They're only giving up 10 points a game. On the road, they're giving up almost 30. I don't know if it's the better quarterbacks they're playing, the better teams. I don't know what it is. 
But at the end of the day, the Rams now, we said it. Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald were going to have to carry this team to the playoffs, and they could do it in a weaker NFC here. They're taking a part of a white back half of their schedule, and I think the Rams have a chance to be a playoff team in the NFC. Now, San Francisco, Philadelphia. I said going into the game that there were two things that worried me about this Niners-Eagles game. One was the rest factor, which I think did play a little bit of a factor. The emotionalness of, you know, Philly coming up back-to-back huge wins with Kansas City, Buffalo, and even brought Dallas in there before the bye week. On top of that, you have San Francisco on a Thursday night. Now they have a longer time to repair. Philadelphia played overtime, 92 defensive snaps against Buffalo, and when the Eagles did not cash in on touchdowns early, I thought it was going to take a superhuman defensive effort, but the story of this game from the Niners' offensive perspective was they didn't target James Bradbury at all. They only targeted Darius Slay three times. It was the middle of the field and running to the left side, and Trent Williams took apart Josh Sweat and Son Ruddick and that Philly defensive line after the first two drives of the game. And the Eagles' defense could not stop the Niners in the middle of the field. I did not think the offense played horrible, though I think, you know, you could have asked him to play a little bit more. Obviously, we had the incident with Trey Greenlaw and the security and Dom, and that woke Philadelphia up for a little bit. Jalen Hurts got a touch-push touchdown. Uh, but then from there, Debo Samuel. Boy. Excuse me. Debo Samuel played. With his air on fire in that game, the Niners were very motivated. Uh, obviously, NFC Championship rematch, they've earned all the talk about, you know, they would have won the game if Brock Purdy did not get earned. Now, I was not a believer in that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, Brock Purdy played very well after the first quarter, you know, barely missed a pass. San Francisco just had a beat on Philadelphia's defense, and they were the better team that day. But in the end, I still think the Eagles are the best offensive line in football. I still think they have the best defensive line in football. And I think this will teach them how to match up with San Francisco going forward. Sometimes you lose or sometimes you learn more, excuse me, in defeat rather than victory. And I think it was just a bad game. I think Philly comes back here. I think they beat Dallas on Sunday night. And then, you know, I'm ready to admit I was wrong on Jordan Love. In September and October, it looked like he couldn't play. But I'll tell you what, what I saw against Kansas City looked like a franchise quarterback. And it looked like an offensive coach and Matt LaFleur helping out his quarterback. Reverse his screens. Get the ball out quick. Get the ball to your playmakers. Having a game plan to disrupt Chris Jones and that Chiefs defensive line which barely touched Jordan Love all year long. And then defensively, the way they're playing Philadelphia is the way you play Kansas City, right? Sit back in zone, double-team Kelsey, take away everything else, take away the shots down the field. Obviously, Kansas City's going to be Kansas City. They're going to score points. But if you can make them nickel and dime their way down the field, it's what San Francisco did with Philadelphia. More than likely going to lead to a mistake. Obviously, Green Bay got the pick. Now, the pass interference call was brutal. We all know it. Kansas City should have had a shot to go into the end zone from out the five, get the touchdown, get the two-point conversion. Maybe they go to overtime. Maybe it's a different story. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, for most of the night, Green Bay did outplay Kansas City. And so props to the Packers and what their schedule looks like right now. I talked about it with the Rams a little bit earlier. I think your wild card in the NFC now, outside of Dallas, is going to be Green Bay and the Rams. And I think Seattle, with this huge losing streak, could be on the outside looking in. Something I never thought I would say at the beginning of the season. Jacksonville had an opportunity to get the number one seed. Trevor Lawrence went down. The injury does not sound as brutal as we initially thought. Though he'll probably miss this game against the Browns coming up, which all of a sudden is going to be, you know, who knows? We think it's going to be Joe Flacco, though he's now in the practice squad um, against C.J. Beathard. But Jake Browning looked really good. At points last night, he looked like Joe Burrow. And if that Bengals team can do that against what I said was a very suspect Jacksonville defense, Cincinnati, with their schedule also, some very weak AFC teams coming up, Mitch Trubisky, Gardner Minshew, not saying those are going to be easy games, but if they can win them, Cincinnati is still in the playoff hunt. So, very interesting week coming up to week 14 in the NFL. A lot of backup quarterbacks, meaning a lot of bad potential NFL matchups, including New England, Pittsburgh, Thursday night. We'll do our money line picks. We'll do our best bets on Thursday. Once again, thank you for listening to this edition of the Brins World Podcast. Thank you for listening to my thoughts on the college football playoff. NFL Week 13. I appreciate it. We'll be back on Thursday where I once again will break down Week 14 of the NFL. Moneyline picks. Best bets. I'll see you then. And peace.